Hey, everybody, and welcome to Tabletop Totality. I'm Steve. I'm Cody. I'm Neil. And I'm Frank. And this week, we are looking into a, uh, a new book that just came out for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Uh, it is a new supplemental piece of, uh, of literature put out by Wizards of the Coast, and it adds a whole bunch of new uh, class features, uh, uh, subclasses, spells, and a lot of other elements to the game that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, so we all looked into this and what did we all think about, uh, the stuff in this book? I, I think my first read through, I was kind of just like, I don't know, I guess I wasn't like overly impressed, Mm. you know, like I, I had kind of built this up in my head is going to be a little bit bigger than, than what it was. And not to say that it's not good. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there was a lot of reprints of different classes, um, that are already in other books. Mm-hmm. from like Sword Coast or Adventures Guide to Sword Coast and um I think that Spore Druid was from like Xanathar's or something. Yeah. Um but it it does have some value. You know, there's a couple classes in there that I would definitely play. And um there's a cool there's a few new cool spells and feats. Yeah. Um but my I mean we've we're all going to get on this later. I think we all kind of have the same issue with the book, but my takeaway is it's, it's pretty good if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking to kind of get away from the same old subclasses for your different, mm-hmm. you know, from the standard few that are in um, the player's handbook. Yeah. I mean, I thought that the subclasses were kind of, uh, kind of interesting and stuff. The stuff outside of the class things that they put in there though, were pretty interesting. Uh, there's a whole chapter about, uh, group patrons, which are basically like organizations that your players can be a part of in order to, you know, bring them all together and give them like a goal to work towards. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff about, um, uh, environmental hazards that I thought was really cool. Uh, it's just a whole bunch of weird, weird stuff that can that can affect your party in positive or negative ways that just naturally occur throughout the world. And there's a ton of them. And I thought that that was a really cool thing. Some of them were pretty cool. Like the, um, like the, just like this sudden like increase in magic potency. Yeah. Where like creatures suddenly become sentient and like everything just changes in like a 50 square, you know, 50 square foot radius. Yeah. There was, there was so much, there was so many, there was so much more than I thought, because when you brought this to us originally, Cody, uh, you, you were like, oh, there's like magical areas and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I looked at it and it's like 30 pages of different effects that are just all kinds of weird stuff going on. And it's really interesting that they included that. Uh, there's a whole section on sidekicks who are sort of like secondary characters that are weaker than player characters, but still can provide some utility that I thought was really cool. And I think, I think that is honestly, I think that's a direct response to Matt Colville and MCDM for uh, strongholds and followers, because that book provided a huge gap filler for what Mm -hmm. was missing from fifth edition. You know, like I felt like it was a lot easier to have, like you could have like whole parties of NPCs, in previous editions of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons and in fifth edition, they were kind of, they didn't like give you too many options for that. Mm-hmm. So I know like, even like when we were running tomb of annihilation, like we kind of homebrewed, like how we were going to treat NPCs yeah. and we kind of had like varying 
levels of NPCs. Like maybe somebody who like handled your baggage wouldn't be somebody that would have like actual stats per se. Yeah. Versus the person that had been adventuring with you for the last five levels and has now, you know, seen some shit and done some things. And so we kind of homebrewed that a little bit. And Matt Colville and his guys, or they did his team, that Strongholds and Followers book is awesome. And I think that's a direct response in Tosh's. Yeah. I mean, I also have to give them props for making one of the example sidekicks just a straight up wolf. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Just being like, yeah, just a wolf. That's fine. And then like the other thing that they like, they put in the one other thing or they put in a thing about parlaying with monsters instead of fighting them, which I thought was really interesting. Like they have a whole bunch of tables of like, here are different types of creatures and here's what you can do in order to like appease them in order to avoid fighting them. And I thought that that was really a cool idea to have that as a, uh, as a mechanic in the game now and have like an official word on like, this is how you deal with like creatures besides just straight up going in and killing them. I think that's, I think that's going to be part of our, I think it's going to be part of our later conversation is that, you don't need official word to have that sort of role play already taking place in your games. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely reading this, I think it was more a damage control on wizards Mm -hmm. end than anything else. Um, because there was this huge, it's kind of like what we do. It's exactly what you said with, uh, what Matt Coville does. All these people of experience, um, who've been playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, before fifth edition, uh, have been doing this for a while. You know, you, you've been kind of twisting the guidelines, you know, as we call it, to to fit whatever you need. And I think this book is a push in 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 that way. You know, yeah, and I and I think that to to cap on or to tag along with what you're saying. Frank and I had a conversation uh, last night and we were saying that this book was definitely not for it's, it's target person was really not us. It Mm -hmm. was the new wave of Dungeons and Dragons players. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, And it's them, it's them saying, Hey, you know, you don't have to follow the rules, you know, we'll, but we'll get into that. Yeah. And I mean, and, and to even piggyback off of that sentiment, like there's a whole section on here's what, here's what a session zero is. And here's like, you know, here's what it means to have one and and why you should have one. And again, that is definitely aimed more towards less experienced players who don't really know what that session is or what it means to have it or why it's important to have it. And, you know, players like us who've been playing for a while don't really need that kind of thing, but it's cool that they kind of introduced the concept officially to uh, new players in an official document so that they have at least some sort of, you know, they know that it exists and they know like what the purpose of it is as opposed to just being like, okay, let's just start a game, you know? So that's, and I think, I think, um, you know, if you listen to us, we've been talking now for what a month or two mm-hmm. uh, of podcasts. And how many times have we said, "Hey, section zero is like super important." Yep. You know, or hey, you can change the rules, you can bend it to work for you, or what's at your table. And this book is basically just saying, you know, it's like what well, most of us already know, and they're just putting it in print. Um, 
which is just another nod that it's, you know, it's for the younger, newer players, which is, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's not absolutely. a complaint I have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the last uh, non-class-based thing that they did in this book that I thought was kind of weird was that they just included, like, a bunch of random puzzles, which I was, which, again, is kind of for newer players who don't really know the game who are like i need some puzzles to throw into my game and you know it's in there and that's kind of weird i'm not really a huge fan of that and also it kind of because that's kind of it's kind of chomping our flavor a little bit you know like that's kind of part of our whole deal is like as developers as like third party developers for stuff in D D, like that's kind of getting into our territory a little bit like they're creating like the whole thing puzzles and the territory of third party everything because yeah. most of that stuff like session zero didn't have a name a decade ago boom boom you heard it here first steve yeah. is gonna start a turf war <laughs> Wizards of the coast yeah yeah well i mean if you think about it a lot of those names and stuff actually came up because of it's from the community yeah the community yeah. is creating all this stuff and then they're just saying hey you know what that's actually a great idea let's incorporate that so I think it's more of an acknowledgement towards the people who have done all this generation of saying, hey, we're listening to you. Here's a whole bunch of stuff to help all these new people that are coming in. And I mm -hmm. feel from watching a lot of stuff after I had went through the book, written down all my notes, and I, I observed a whole bunch of different groups that do third-party stuff, a lot of them seemed annoyed. And I think that's actually the opposite reaction to what they should have been. I think they should have actually looked at it for what it was. They are being listened to. Those things are going into effect to help people. Mm -hmm. Sure, in a way, it's like, oh, well, we kind of, you know, we either coined this or we did this or we, you know, we did that. The fact is, is in the end of the day, Wizards owns this stuff. Mm -hmm. They're letting you generate as many videos as you want, use all the artwork you want on your videos. They're not really touching you unless if you really break the rules. Yep. And at the end of the day, just because you're, you came up with something, it's kind of like a hive mind thing. Like it's going to only make the game better for everybody if they take that into account and use it moving forward. So honestly, I kind of think that after thinking about it a lot, and at first I was kind of annoyed. I was like, this should have come out. should have been the first book that they came out with. You know, why did they wait? Because a lot of this stuff is like general consensus. But then I really thought about it. I said, you know what? This is from six years of people putting in the, you know, into the think tank here. And they cherry picked a lot of the stuff and they didn't do it by accident. This is all intentional. They know what they're doing. They've been, they're part of Hasbro. Well, and it should be, it should be a kudos that yeah. at least that they're, they're actually getting out there and they're look they're listening to people or they're, reading through the reddit boards or whatever and they're seeing that this community has a ton of people that have been putting out awesome stuff for for years mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and that well, some of their ideas and, and how they go about things are are better you know <laughs> yeah i mean it also i think just goes into the whole aspect like 5e is a rebranding of wizards it's it's that aspect of getting away from the real rigorous like exactly how to follow like 3.5 yeah you could have done so many different things but it was very difficult to do so many different things unless you knew everything that was in the books mm -hmm. yeah they, they've stepped away from that 
And I think they've continued to step away. You know, it's not the old DM against party mentality. It's everybody trying to have fun at the table. And this book is a step forward to that. I mean, how many how many Dungeons and Dragons books do you do you see where it's referenced? Hey, do these things to make sure your players have fun at the table. Right. And yeah. that is referenced in this yeah. book, which is they mentioned, they mentioned it a couple of times, which is great. One of the things uh, Frank and I had a conversation um, earlier in the week, but we were saying that, um, you know, we grew up playing a lot of D20 Star Wars as well as 3.5 and, you know, third edition um D D. And we were saying that like a book like this, like Tasha's or Xanathar's, basically gives you like a little slice of all the different aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, here's a little stuff for DM, here's a bunch of stuff for players, you know, here's classes, here's a couple magic items. Like it's just a swath of of the whole game and these tiny little books. And I remember that that's how like Star Wars did that all the time. Like all the little expansion books from Star Wars, you would get like maybe one or two new classes, a couple new feats. And I was thinking about how that compared to like the older editions of like three and three, five, where like you might have like just a book of spells, just a book of weapons, just a book of feats. And that's part of why that game was amazing, but it was also why it was so clunky. Mm-hmm. Because and, and like you could sit there and like, I, I mean, how many nights did we sit around the table for hours trying to figure out players or yeah. player characters um, where fifth edition was trying to to streamline that? And this is just another step in that of like, hey, man, you can get into this game loose. You don't have to like you don't have to follow every little bit of rule. And mm-hmm. I think that's like we were talking about the the racial um, attribute for for player character. Um, races yeah and we were saying that that is kind of like a really big like we don't want to scare away new player move yeah you know like oh you want to be you want to be good at everything i guess you can be (laughs) and which is i I don't know i i kind of that's my only real bone to pick with the book is because i just i personally thought it was a lot of fun to sit there and go okay yeah i want to play a uh, a half orc who's very cerebral as opposed to being very uh you know very big or mm-hmm. or tough and um you know using my roles and and building and taking feats and and finding items to make that character yeah exactly is part of the fun exactly me. Yeah. And to do this is like, to me, it's like, that's a huge waste of, of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I look at it and it's like the way that I look at, at the race stuff is like, um, like the, the ability scores that are given to each race are sort of based on like, you know, evolution of how that race grew and where it came from and stuff like that. And if you wanted to change that stuff, you would, you know, make it so that they, existed in a different environment or had different circumstances to create like a sub race that then has those things attached to it. Like I was thinking about like, like dwarves are like constitution based because they dig under the ground and they're, they have to be hardy and strong in order to survive the conditions. But what if you have a race of dwarves that live out in the desert where they can't really dig up a whole bunch of stuff and they have to rely on trade 
you know? And so for thousands and thousands of years, the society has existed to, to work through trade rather than, you know, developing like these skills of digging, they might have a higher charisma instead of having a higher constitution because that's what they've been like sort of based off of. I'm just thinking that, you know, that's part of what this book is doing is, is like saying that you can do these things. And for us, it's like, we know it's like preaching to the choir. We know that you can do these things. We know that you can change things to make it work. Mm -hmm. You know, crazy random story today. I was reading, I'm I'm a big history nerd. There was a bear in world war two who served, he became a corporal in the Polish (laughs) army. His name is Woodchuck. And and he carried ammunition for the Polish army, like on two legs, carried boxes of ammunition. And he lived with the soldiers for so long that he smoked cigarettes and drank beer. Mm-hmm. And when he finally went to be like retired, they wanted to put him in a zoo. They put him in with all these other bears and it didn't work because the bear was convinced he was a human mm-hmm. because for the last 20 years he had lived as a human. Yeah. Right. He took showers. He slept in a tent. Like, yeah, he he was convinced he was a human. So you could totally have something where it's like, oh, like, yes, my my character is a a knoll, but he grew up in like this super civilized society, like Mm -hmm. away from his, you know, away from maybe his his traditional uh, background, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and they and they mention like they do a good job of mentioning like, yeah, here's the gameplay aspects of how, you know, you want to have these different abilities, you want to have these different things that work, but don't just take those different things and then still have a same like, hey, yeah, I'm from this big orc tribe that's just focused on you know battle but i'm i'm book smart like where how how would you have gotten to that point it's explain it in a different manner like give the flavor for how you got there you know what i mean not not just say you're a straight up anomaly you still could but it kind of it makes it more difficult well i mean who's to say you even have to have the character be in a different society what if they just they were a little bit weaker, so they just did stay in, and they did read through all the books and things that were the treasures that were brought in. So there was a whole stack of books every time they raided, and he just read through it all, and mm-hmm. before you knew it, they yeah. became intelligent. I think I actually, after sitting on it and really thinking about it all, I th- like I said in the beginning, I think it was just a way for them to say, just do, do what you got to do, have fun with it. Obviously, yeah. it's an optional rule, so you can do whatever you want to begin with. And, and here's here's our take on it, basically. Yeah. And it, it's just a way of saying you can reskin these things like everybody else already does, but you can just reskin it, have a good time with it, and don't yeah. overthink it. And I feel like a lot of the reviews and stuff that I've gone through were people overthinking it. I don't think it's going to really have that big of an impact on the game as much. Right. I mean... Mm-hmm. Most of the time, people are just going to play whatever they wanted to play anyway. And it's a way of stopping something ridiculous in addition to it. So like the Noel example, right? Oh, well, if you're a Noel, you're going to have all these things against you. And then you might have a DM or a situation where the person doesn't necessarily have all the tools to, or the confidence even to get all the things that they think they should have that are equal to other classes or other races. So then... 
they ha- come in with a bunch of negative things that aren't helping them have fun and end up kind of steering them away from the whole thing. Whereas this is just a reference like, hey, why not just use something else as a place to start with? You can move them around however you want. You can plug and play with the skills until you're satisfied with what you got. Make sure you talk with the GM or DM or Overlord and get to you know where you need to be with it and i i don't feel like it's that big of a deal to be honest with you after really thinking about it and just kind of i tried to view it from a bunch of different perspectives and well the only the only thing that worries me is um now you gotta when you give out this much knowledge for players and dms alike it sometimes can hurt some DMs out there, um, some fresh start DMs. So don't like if you're, you know, just starting as a DM and now your players got this book because they're like, oh man, Wizards released another book. Like, I think it's going to be really good. So I picked it up and they started reading it and they start saying, hey, I want to do these things with my character. Don't be afraid to say, no, nah, hold on. <laughs> like, you know, well, as the DM. I like, can barely yeah. run a combat situation. <laughs> like, combat. like, that's way, you know. <laughs> I, but but look at it. Start, you know, it's not a implement the whole book, you know, and it's exactly what it kind of says in it as you start reading it and you start digesting it. Like, hey, if this is going to be fun and you think it's going to be a cool idea, take this bit and use it yeah you know what i mean because there's like one part in there that we'll touch on that i think is ridiculous but maybe as a first-time player all right this is a way to handle it like you you have a first-time player this is the dm's way of handling it all right attention what is it it's the uh class feature switch the subclass feature switch that they have in there that it says you know and it's the way that they bring it up is good like it's the whole idea of you know if you're a paladin you do something bad now you're now you lost your powers and it's in a different form they they talk about it there and it's the it's the same thing instead of maybe you know you were this subclass or like i think they one of the the paladin classes that they use is the uh oh what is it it's the uh because it goes from a switch to like one Path of the vengeance. Yeah. yeah protection to vengeance because their whole uh village got destroyed by demons. So now they're on a path of vengeance. All right, like that's that's really cool. And that's that's a way that you should keep developing your characters. But I don't think it should be a scapegoat of wow, I really don't like this character. Let me transform them into another subclass. Like there has to be a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. And they kind of the way that they write it up they they write it up as yeah you know it could be they have to pay a certain amount of money they have to find a trainer to train them in a new thing but now it gives i feel like it gives too much fluid motion with a player like i always felt like oh i'm testing out a new character i'm gonna play this and then you know if i don't like them it's either on my decision as a player to talk to the DM or play it out until they die. And then I bring in a new character. Yeah. I actually think that's why they did it. So instead of you, like, let's say you find a new class or a new thing that you're going to subclass into, or there's a new feed out or something like that. And you kind of want to steer your direction in that route. I feel like it may be one of those ways of saying, Hey, don't, just make a new character and bring it in and then you have to come up with the character traits and then you have to kind of come up with how the character acts i think it's more of a way of saying 
there's another way around that. Granted, the delivery of it in that book is not really saying, on, but it's also not saying anything at all. So yeah, that's, that's on the top of that, though, like what you're exactly what you're saying. Like, I'm I'm a player. I was playing this fire. I like it. But now there's a we joke around with a uh, a race called the Muppet Born. <laughs> with a couple of us but like you have these you have this idea and you're running it and you like it but now you think of this ultimate other idea and now i'm gonna switch to that idea like because i don't me care with it all the time they're what like, is this next, muppet board they're like my next, yeah, my next character is gonna be a muppet born gunslinger, gunslinger. yeah and i'm like that's not happening in my world like but i think like <laughs> you lose like just because you, you as a player you like you liked your character idea you're playing it through like see it to the end see what it's going to bring you like you're going to hit a point of all right you know maybe i don't like this character but i saw this new i saw this new class and i think it's really cool and i just want to automatically play no like give it its time because if you rush it out now now you might rush over to that class and you're like, man, I really want to go back to the other character I played. Well, and that's, I think and, that's like. And you're just going to constantly be flip-flopping. I got. Play shorter campaigns with your, talk to your, talk to your party and say, hey, let's do shorter campaigns, you know, maybe faster paced experience leveling, stuff like that. Not, all right, I'm going to just switch my whole subclass. Now, you know, Dagonite the tank has become a archer. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know like it's it's it can it's plausible it's all right i think it's an all right thing but i think it just it's one of those things that's now going to add on to a on to a first level like if you could level dms like a first level dm first session dm where now their players are going to bring something else to the table and it's it adds in there you know what well, i mean and that's and that, i have i have two points that i want to you had mentioned before about like don't be afraid as a dungeon master to be like hey like no like we're not using this or whatever mm -hmm. and and that's like really important because as much as this is a game like where you're it's a uh, a cooperative role playing experience and it's supposed to be fun for both you as the the overlord and then the players that are there but you're all basically writing a story in real time together Mm -hmm. so it's fun like don't just because you're not happy with the way the character is playing because of the mechanics if you and the dm can't work something out that'll alleviate some of that to make the character enjoyable you know find a good end for the character if you, if you want to move on like yeah it, it's still a story they could still have a story somewhere you know what i mean so just don't be discouraged but then also as the dungeon master yeah, you want your players to be happy, but when you have something in mind, if you put a ton of work into something, and then Wizards drops a book, and then all of your players come to the next session, session and they're like, we're going to change everything. We're going to change all of our stuff. We're going to change all of our motivations, all of our subclasses. Like, that could really be devastating in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to what you have figured out. And as much as, as much as being a, the overlord or the dungeon master is about you know wheeling and dealing and and um improving things like you have to be able to improv things that is a lot to overcome yeah or there could be a mechanic that comes out that you say oh you know what at first glance it looks pretty cool and then a level later you have a player that no matter what you send at them like nothing threatens them anymore mm -hmm. you know or they they've they've broken some part of the game that you can't get around. Yeah. 
you know and it, it not, not saying not speaking in terms of like you're competing with the player because that's not that's not no but case. it still needs to be to be enjoyable there still needs to be some level of all right you know, you can't just, yeah, yeah yeah you know a yeah. good story nobody wants to read a story about a hero that can just take you know no problem walk in and handle any of the quests that's it's gonna be so easy (laughs) i just need you to go here go there it's done there's gonna be no dragon nothing to worry about yeah and boom the dwarves have back their home like no that's not how this works (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and to and to piggyback off of something that you had said neil um about the fluidity of this um this book does provide a lot of a lot more fluidity i feel like between classes not just with the the shifting of the subclasses but also a lot of the feats that are introduced in this in this book are basically just going Hey, you're a fighter, but you want to take, you know, some magic stuff. Here you go. You can now learn some magic. You want to like learn some, it's, it's, it's very strange because it makes it feel kind of like you can modulate a lot of your class stuff by saying like, well, I know that I took a whole lot of class, a whole lot of levels in barbarian, but I really want to do some wizard stuff or some some rogue stuff or whatever oh there's a there's now a feat that lets me just grab up a bunch of features from another class in order to be able to do those things so i'm just going to take that feat and it's like i think it, it just it feels it feels kind of like they're trying to make the system a, like like you said a lot more fluid which feels kind of weird to me for dungeons and dragons specifically because traditionally dnd has been very much a class based role-playing game where it's like you pick a class that is your class and you know you're you're supposed to just like stick with that and now you have like you have subclasses that let you do a lot more than you used to be able to do without multi-classing which is really cool but now it feels like they're taking that a step further by being like yeah you can you can have a class and then you can have a subclass that lets you do other things but now you can also grab a feast that let you do even more stuff and it feels kind of like with this book they're sort of trying to make care like any class into sort of a jack of all trades which kind of goes against what i feel like dungeons and dragons have has been traditionally and kind of moving into the realm of other games where you don't really have strict classes for everything and that kind of makes me feel like they're sort of trying to get into a little bit more of a space that you know isn't really what D is and they're just trying to push their way into a market a little bit more that they i feel like like personally i feel like they shouldn't be in because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about Dungeons and Dragons that you can say is kind of archaic because Dungeons and Dragons is the oldest game in the, in in the business and a lot of the stuff that they that they've done is kind of old fashioned and but at the same time that's kind of the reason why people come to Dungeons and Dragons because it is something that you know it's so it's so well known it's so you know, it's like there, there's a system there that is developed and it's like if you if you if that's not the experience that you want, there are other options for you. And it feels like this is kind of introducing a thing for them to say, well, no, there there are other options, but we want to be the number one option. So we're going to modulate everything to make everything as fluid as possible so that we can sort of match those other systems that are more fluid. So that way, you know, we're sort of getting into into their territory a little bit mm-hmm. and that's kind of that that kind of concerns me a little bit on I that disagree. aspect okay um 
Hot take. Hot, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> hot take. Many, many moons ago, a company broke off of Wizards and created a game mm-hmm. that we do not speak its name. Nah, it was pretty all right. When you like, yeah, that's because you played for a while, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, it's called Pathfinder. Uh, so they dropped their second edition recently, and I don't know how I ended up on a video about it, but they were talking about some of the things that you can actually do in that game, where you could take traits from another class and do that exact thing. Since this company stole, yes, stole Dungeons and Dragons and reworked it in their own way using the open gaming license, which is legit, they can do that. I feel the response to that was, hey, here's Tasha's, so you can kind of have that same experience, but you don't need to go over there. And I think that's kind of a part of what you were saying to a degree, Steve. So... Mm. But at the same time, I don't feel like things should stay the way that they were. I do feel that as it goes forward, like there needs to be a fresh coat of paint. There does need to be a little reworking here and there. Sure, it sometimes it may feel like it's a little too much, but until we actually get to physically sit down and play it and see where all those mistakes might actually be, I feel like it's a lot of projection on what it could actually have on it. Granted, it could be terrible, like we don't know, but we have to actually physically walk through it. And there's going to be mistakes along the way. Uh, not only on their part, but on our part while we whilst we do it. Mm-hmm. But in the end of the day, I feel like it was kind of needed. Yeah, I mean, I kind of just thought it was more or less, you know, parlaying to the the group of you know, the the culture within Dungeons and Dragons players that want to, you know, optimize their their you know, their builds. Yeah. Um there's I mean there's everybody knows about min maxing, everybody knows about, you know, trying to make classes that are just broken and you know, that's fine. Like that's that's an aspect of, of, of people that like to do that to play the game. Like mm-hmm. I am, oh, I am much fine. more of a. Well, <laughs> it's not my style. <laughs> I, I really enjoy story-driven role-playing. Um, so for me, you know, for me, I guess, like I said before, just a lot of these things are, you know, like I was not the target audience for this book because a lot of these things are unnecessary to me because I was, I'm doing them and I have been doing them. If if somebody, you know, like just like Sean's character in in our game, uh, you know, he plays Brug Narsh, his barbarian, but he's gone on this somewhat holy adventure where he's dealing with a god and he's gained some aspects of his god. He's not becoming a warlock. He didn't get a warlock subclass. He just got the Cody special, the dungeon master... This makes sense for the story. Yeah. And here's here's what he's gonna get for it. You know? And and that's right. just like so like I said, like this stuff isn't necessary for me. So I, I didn't even think about Pathfinder. To me, I was like, okay, a lot of this is for the the players like to optimize, but then also it's like I guess a tool for new players and new dungeon masters where if the player came if, if everybody's new at the at the table and the player says well i want to take the aspects of a monk 
and the aspects of a bard and make a class, but maybe not multi-class. Yeah. And the DM doesn't really know how to go about doing that. Here's a blueprint for the newer DM and the newer player to come to some compromise that fits their story and allows them to keep going forward. So in that regards, it's, it's a good tool for, for the less experienced player. Yeah. Or, or overlord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't, and don't get me wrong. I do agree that like D and D can change and should like, there's, there's aspects of it that should evolve over time. Like I do believe that like it is important for them to change. I just feel like this is pushing it in a more fluid direction where I could see in the future, you know, a version of Dungeons and Dragons where they go like this, this seems to be pushing towards that, that whole thing of like, yeah, you know what classes, like you can just do whatever you want. You know, you don't, we don't need classes. And I feel like if they go in that direction, that could be kind of concerning because there are some things that do that kind of thing. And like, I feel like that's sort of getting into that territory as well. And Dungeons and Dragons has always been a class-based game. And I feel like that's why people come to it because it's a game where you play as a class. And that is like kind of the whole, you know, the whole draw of Dungeons and Dragons. And if they move away from the direction, that kind of goes into the territory of other games. And that's more of what I'm concerned about. Well, like traditional D&D is almost like, it's almost like, you know, your classic your classic board games of like, you know, mm-hmm. chess or like taffle where like pieces oh, have their in they have their individual roles. Yeah. And they have their individual abilities that they can do. And it's the combination of these individuals with these individual traits that allow them to overcome things. Right. You know, so that was always like yeah, you have to have like even when we don't even when we're not talking about specific classes sometimes in our conversations we say well we have to have a tank we have to have a we have yeah. to have a sponge we have to have a, a damage sponge we, we have, have to have, have a healer. healer yep yeah and that is the i do agree with what you're saying that that is the the classic D, but i mean really things have been even in the older editions you could break away from your standard role mm-hmm. you know yeah so i i think this is just a continuation of of that um, it reminds me it almost reminds me of like uh older school uh video game rpgs because they had to leave it open-ended for uh players whoever the hero was so like think aiden chronicles you're you can do whatever you want you're a jack of all trades you could you know cast spells be a warrior learn all of these things and i feel like that's what a lot of people want like they want to be able to have that mix and match but to be able to still have that with a class-based system this is kind of their response you know what i mean you you could do that in skyrim you know you could be like everybody starts off as like what like a two-hand guy and then like by level 20 they're a sneaky archer Sneak archer yeah and then they, they play that for the next 80 levels you know? yeah yeah because that's the easiest way to kill everything without dying yeah i remember one time i was a vampire khajiit and i was in my nightingale armor with like some crazy daedric bow or whatever and i saw a giant like just in the distance i could just see him and i knelt down and i did a sneak shot and i got him there was a like, one shot kill and I, I was like, I don't remember what level I was, but at that moment, I was like, I can't play the game anymore because there's no challenge. <laughs> yeah. There's no challenge at all. Well, right. 
Okay. <laughs> I, play, I can't play with that character. Anymore. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I've been there. I've been there plenty. Yeah. Um, so like that one conjurer you had. Who Were me? you just summoned Daedra? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah. He never fought anybody. He was like, Daedra, Daedra. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then just archery all day. But, you know, it's yeah. archery and magic all day. I'm all about that. But actually, <laughs> so to, to get back a little bit to the mixing and matching thing. So one thing I always had an issue with is there's a couple of different character types that I always wanted to play that I, after looking at the book, I can finally do. And not not have to like mix it with a class that doesn't really work with the style of play that I do, and I feel like that's kind of a part of why they did certain things. For example, you have the ability to be a unarmed fighter now, where you can deal a good amount of damage. I think they should have done it a little differently than they put in the book. Kind of had it level the same way that a, a monk would do if you took the feet. That's fine. Uh, but now I could always I could play the, you know, the drunken veteran fighter who literally, you know, I have the ability to use any weapon on the on the table or I could just punch you to death. And that's like finally like, yes, like I don't have to go into a monk because some of the stuff in the monk doesn't make sense for that. Doesn't <laughs> actually help that. Whereas with the fighter, that like, whoop, whoop, like, here we go, boys. <laughs> like, and I would yeah. be excited to finally be able to play that. You know, a lot of that inspiration comes from like Jade Empire and stuff like that, where you can finally do this character who's not a monk who can fight unarmed, or you can play different versions of these characters with those other abilities, but you don't have to have such. Oh, we lost Steve. I guess I upset him. Yeah, it was too much. Too much, too much for, for Steve. Steve. Yeah, I upset him so much. Now he's back yeah. to give me hell. I'm so sad. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So and then there's other things like there's a whole bunch of different options that you can actually jump into now. Like they finally brought back like the Druid Wild Companion. That that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. They even have like summon construct, which I have some issues with. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you. Because I don't see how a construct has a spirit. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I saw, like a lot of the, a lot of the spells in this are summoning spells, and as someone who personally likes knowing, like all the little stats of everything and wanting everything to be like its own unique little thing, I think that it's also really cool that they're like, here are generic spirits for like different types of creatures that you can just have, so that you're not looking through the book to be like. Okay, I summon like I summoned uh, an Ifrit. Okay, what are the stats for the Ifrit or whatever? It's like no, you just summon like a fire elemental and or whatever, or you summon like a like an aberration spirit or whatever. And it's just like here's a generic stat block for like a generic aberration or a generic fiend or whatever. And I think that that's like a really useful tool so that you don't have to be going through a book and looking up stats for every single little thing. You can just say, no, I just summoned, you know, an aberration or a demon or whatever. And it's, here's, here's just a, a stat block for it. Yeah. I think that that's really, I think that that's actually a really helpful tool for, for Summoning DMs. wasn't very strong before that. Mm. It was actually kind of weak. Like I looked at a few options of doing a conjurer in the past and I was like, there's just, it's missing some stuff there. Yeah. And it didn't seem like, like sure, I could 
prepare all this stuff, but I felt like it would get boring. So I just <laughs> yeah, I, I had no interest in playing a conjurer. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I look at the schools of magic, there's like, honestly, I, I had maybe there's like three choices for like a wizard. Yeah. For me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just looked at it. And I was like, you know, it would be fun, but I mean, for like a week, maybe. <laughs> no. Once you start trying to summon certain things, like it takes 10 minutes. It's like, okay. Like, so if my DM's cool with it, I could prepare it in the morning and then just cast it mid battle. But most of the time, like depending on the situation, like it may not be plausible to do that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a lot of rounds to hold off the enemy. Yeah. That's a long <laughs> time. <laughs> and it's like, Very so I have time. to pre prepare like, well, I think I the idea for a lot of it was you just walk around with this conjured creature so like you'd summon it right at the beginning of like your day and like that was it like for a lot of those long wait spells and that made it feel like all right like they already know what they're gonna fight where if i'm a conjurer like i would hope i could see what i was in a fight and then summon something related to that yeah you know (laughs) what i mean yeah, yeah. And actually deal with the situation like a yeah because like one. yeah like what would be the point of being like oh i'm gonna summon this like ice elemental to like hang out with me and then mm-hmm. the whole adventuring day is going through like Lava this pit. crazy <laughs> northern ice world yeah where your creature is completely ineffective yep and yeah. you've already spent your conjuration like you're you know yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've I've, I've been there. I've been well with like with the non conjurer, but with a nice based character. I've been there where it's like, hey, all my spells are worthless, and I couldn't imagine just being like my one thing that I can do is totally useless because like we're in the wrong area for it. You know, it's got yeah. diversify your bonds, man. Yeah, <laughs> stacks and bonds, stacks and bonds. But that's why that that's that's the whole yeah that's the whole gist of the game. Mm-hmm. Is that you're not you're not supposed to be great at everything. You're not yep. supposed to be able to. That's why it's a you're, you're supposed to be with a party of people, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. So like that's why like I kind of was a little poo poo on like all of the like the optimization stuff is because I feel it's just like it's making it too easy to do that. Yeah. You know? I... To me, it's just taking some of the fun out of it because I I would rather come up with some sort of story workaround or. You know, something happens where you gain some extra ability or Yeah. You know, then just being mm-hmm. like, Okay, yeah, here it is. Yeah. And like yeah, the optimization <laughs> Just read through the book and point out what you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. The optimization thing is like is like another problem that I have because it's like not everybody's gonna play and like you said, like it's it's a game that's meant to be played with a party of people. You know, you're other people are supposed to like pick up your weaknesses. Like that's the whole point. But at the same time, this book also says like has a whole thing on like having a one player session and that could be what this is more for like the fluidity of it is for like if you have one person playing with with you as a player then like maybe they should maybe that is the case where they should be able to do everything because they're the only person playing but if you're playing in a party of people like the whole point of that is one person picks up for what another person can't do and if everyone can just do everything then what's the point of having a party so I think really the one Just player, play one player uh, 
party help that this has done because I, for a lifetime long of D&D, have usually played DM or played... No, I'm not 12. It was <laughs> when I was 12. Uh, <laughs> um, it would either be a lot of the time me and my older brother or me and my one friend who got, I got really into D&D. It was always a lot of one sessions. And the way that we handled that, like a diversified party, was what they coin as sidekicks. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the real step. Like, hey, now you can play this because we have sidekicks figured out. They level with you. It's not a big ordeal to level them because if you were using like a regular NPC stat or you were taking care of multiple character sheets. Yeah, I was so it glad came to see that back. So you, know, you know what I mean? It, it's very similar to the leadership feat that 3.5 used to have, you know, 3 and 3.5, yeah. you know. But that used to even be a lot of work because, Jesus, you could only – you had to get up to, like, level 5, and then from level 5 10. you would have – Level 10. Well, yeah, it was it was something ridiculous like that. And then at there you would have this many cohorts, this level, this, yeah. this run. And it was, like – it was really cool. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. Always took the leadership feat. Um, (laughs) Surprising no one. Yeah, surprising no one. Um, But it was a lot of work and it was a lot of now you have a sidekick. Now you, you know, you have this, you have that. And that's that's a great, easy, easy pull. Now, even if you want to change it up, you want to do it a different way. Amazing. But at least now the basic the baseline is there from wizards. Yeah, so when I saw great. that. I was like, yes, it's back. Yeah. yeah. Why did yeah. this really, take so long? <laughs> yeah. I really like the sidekick stuff. It's cool. I, I think it's because it was hard to figure it out. You know, like yeah. how do you keep, because we talk about it all the time. You want to keep the players as the main, you know, highlight. But if you have a sidekick, you know, how do you level them and how do you level them? So there's still something that uh, impacts even once they're at level 10 to 10 plus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's a hard thing to look at and be like, all right, well, we got to scale it this way. And you know, they're leveling, but do we keep them two levels below at all times? Cause I mean, I've played campaigns where that was the idea. Like here you have a character who's you know an npc but they're two levels below the party or it's a carry npc they're two levels above until the party supersedes them because they don't level you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so i i think the sidekicks is a good touch personally i can't wait to play the sidekicks campaign you know where everybody (laughs) picks a sidekick you just just make a sidekick character and that's it like that would be fun (laughs) Because then it's just you're, yeah. you're constantly in terrible situations that you have very little way of getting out of, and life sucks. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. yeah. You, you reverse the roles. So your character sheet is the sidekick, and your sidekick is the hero. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no, no I'm just. You're, I, you're just sidekick. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Oh, right. but, now, but now I'm taking it into a different way. Oh, yeah. Right. Or you combine the two and you say, okay, well, we're going to join a hero. We're a bunch of sidekicks. We're going to join him into a dungeon, and then the hero dies. And now it's like, oh, now we got to get out and get back to town. <laughs> this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I think that'd be There's good. nothing in the manual about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just a little pamphlet. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be a fun time where it's just like, even if it was just like a, you know, like a multi-tier well, dungeon, it's just like you got to fight your way through. Your your whole goal is just to survive so you can go work another day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's the it's the whole idea of like the the commoner campaign, you know. <laughs> You're just exactly a bunch of commoners <laughs> who are trying to fend their village off from goblins. Yeah. Can you do it? You know? <laughs> right. It never works out as people think. Like, oh, it's oh, gonna no. be great. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna have a sick. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be great. Two minutes later, oh god, <laughs> the whole party is like dead, and it's only just from regular goblins. And you're like, how do commoners even survive in this land? Yeah. <laughs> they well, can't even get a splinter. Gives you perspective, you know? Like, hey, <laughs> well, that's oh. yeah, that's the part. I mean, yeah, unless you're unless you're playing as Frank, and every single time you roll a perception check, you roll a d, you roll a natural twenty, and then you find like legendary items oh, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Commoner, yeah. At the commoner, and then he yep. would he would use them, but he would just like throw them away, like. Yep. Use them once and then throw them what away. Would he had like a trident at one point or a spear. Yeah. And he like <laughs> yeah, put it, like it through the enemy and then when the enemy fell, Kurt was like, so you're going to pick that up? I was like, no. He doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember that campaign. My bard was like, here, take these magical items because like you need them to protect your village. And you were like, I'm a simple man. I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, All that brings is problems. You're, you're always under attack by evil shit. Like, just yeah. take this thing. And you're like, nope. No use for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was just like, I'm here to rebuild this village and move on to the next one. Nothing else matters. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yep. That's how you got to do it sometimes, though. You know, items don't matter yeah. that much. That, that was a phase I was going through during that campaign. Because <laughs> material you know, possessions don't matter. Frank, Frank in all of his phases. Yeah. I have a lot of phases. I'm like a phase spider, you know, or like a. <laughs> I would say you're more like an onion. You got a lot yeah. of layers. Or uh, or what was that uh, block in Magic the Gathering where <laughs> it was like things would phase in and out of play, so it just caused like chaos on the board all the time. Your brother used to have a deck all about. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> well, of course, Robert would have a deck of good. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it was probably blue favorite. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was all blue. But anyway, of joy. Yeah, but uh, I mean, we've done. I think we've done a really cool uh, overview. Um, Got into a couple of the things, but uh, I guess you know everybody's gonna wonder. Everybody always gets these new books because there's the new classes, new features. So I guess to go into that, well, yeah, new classes, new features. Some may have been repeats, reskinned, revamped. Yeah different color ink for the name who knows on that note though i think they did that intentionally because not everybody is going to buy every book yeah in older editions you pretty much had to but i feel like they're kind of especially with D beyond like it's kind of like hey grab what you can what books you can you can also buy them individually and i think that's kind of a good strategy that they do with this but uh that's a good point. That's a good point. But uh, you know, what was uh everybody's kinda we'll do uh we'll do a top five. Top five. And uh if we wanna start over with uh and then go through how we how we have been before and Okay. Talk about um, top fives. Yes, Steve. Right. Okay. Top um five. 
Okay, uh, so I I looked into the monk a lot for this. Um, the like I like I like the new optional class features that they have for the monk. Um, the boost to the healing um, and and that stuff was really like it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for the focused aim f- uh, feature, which allows the monk to utilize key in order to improve their attack rolls. Um, so those were the things that I liked about the monk, but I'm not a huge fan of the new monastic traditions. Um, like the path of mercy uh, makes You're not sense. One for mercy. I mean, oh, you are one for mercy. Okay, it, it makes sense for them. It makes sense for the for them to utilize key to heal rather than harm things. But it sort of turns the monk into a, a jack of all trades. Like it lets them sort. It's sort of like it allow. It, it sort of like supersedes the need for a cleric in some ways, especially later levels when the monk can just straight up revive a dead character. Is kind of is kind of weird. Maybe you don't want to play a cleric though. Like there should be. Yeah, well, nobody, yeah, nobody wants to play a cleric. Well, you know? yeah, but I mean, at the, but it kind <laughs> of gets rid of paladin either. But it kind of gets, <laughs> yeah, but it kind of it kind of gets rid of the whole need for a cleric when you just say like, well, I'm just going to play a monk, but I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go path of mercy, and then I can just heal everybody. I can I can restore them to life, and um, it just it it feels weird for a class that was just a. I'm going to punch stuff to death turning into a healing class is kind of strange. Um, but that was, yeah, that was kind of a weird thing, but I do like, I do like the, the, the general class features for the monk. Um, the barbarian path of the beast was a really cool idea. Um, I like the idea of instilling uh, primal savagery of wildlife with the barbarians rage ability. So that is like a really, thematically interesting uh idea for it and the, the now, way quick 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 thing because me and frank were talking uh previously and i want to add this in to see see the the conversation between you two frank what was your take on the uh <laughs> on this feature i think it's time the barbarian has another option other than rage <laughs> okay i 100 percent think like this this was a wasted opportunity to have something to replace rage because when you think about it every time the word barbarian comes up it starts to become like savage like oh they're ooh, there's like oh they're rage they're angry all the time they're this they're that it's like well, why can't a barbarian just have another option why can't i okay. have the ability instead of you know hulking out and being able to crush everything why don't i have another option like something that boosts my constitution instead or something that boosts my could even be intelligence. Maybe it's a shaman type barbarian. It's a, it's a maybe, big brain move. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's got this thing that does charisma instead, and it's not necessarily just focused around combat because it it kind of falls into that trope instead of having a little bit more you know flexibility. And I feel yeah. like that's why a lot of people don't play barbarians as much. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thought on it. Like I've I've kind of thought similar stuff myself about bar- barbarians um but again i feel like that falls back into the idea of dungeons and dragons cl- being a class-based system where the barbarian's role in in the game is to be the big bulky tank that you but know gets why does angry it just have to be that why can't it be more and that's kind of like half this book was saying you can be more but then yeah they didn't give you an option to be more with the barbarian so it's like 
I guess I'm just this yeah. tank then. Yeah, but yeah, and I I agree. Like you could like with the with the with the path of the beast, they could have done way more with it. Like they could have said like, you know, like your your spirit animal is an owl, so you gain more wisdom, you gain better perspective or perception, and and all these bonuses to that. But it's sort of like more of an attack thing. But then that again goes back into the concept of what rage is, and That's I could why see I think them it needs to be replaced. I think it. Needs I, to have I could see them going. Option. It needs yeah. to have another option because it's there could, yeah, and they absolutely could do that. I don't see them doing that in the future because that's just what the barbarian has been classically for, you know, forever. It's just always been this rage machine. But they could absolutely replace it, and you're totally right. Like there could have been an option to replace it, um, but yeah, like that was, um, that was an interesting. Yeah, it's it it is absolutely something that. I feel like they could do going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. But I thought that would be a, an interesting take on, mm-hmm. on the barbarian. You're going to have all this cool stuff that we can do on all these different things. And like, you could do all this, all this, but uh, yeah. remember barbarians, bar- you're only good at one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there, yeah. And then there was a couple of classes like the the Psy Warrior and the Rogue Soul Knife. Man, they introduced so much psychic stuff in this book that I am in love with. The psychic stuff that they introduced in this game, I really, really want to see them do more because the stuff, the the few things that they did introduce in this are so cool. And I really, really hope that they they add more subclasses for more classes that add more psychic attributes to other classes because what they did with the fighter and the wizard and the warlock uh there's a i think they added stuff for the sorcerer as well like there's a bunch that they just added a whole bunch of psychic stuff and i think that it's really cool and really interesting like the side side warrior was actually one of my more favorite yeah Uh, it's in that's top five that's exactly one of those concepts that that frank's talking about though like here they created all of these very different subclasses for Mm -hmm. some of these classes and then the barbarian was still hey here you go yeah (laughs) yeah so like it was a little bit down the side warrior is basically a jedi guardian yeah pretty much yeah Yeah. and it's yeah yeah, it's it it makes me hope that they either introduce a psionic class in the next in one of the next expansions or that they put psionics as a like secondary thing that you can just tack on to any class and just sort of have it as an option an additional option to do alongside anything that you're doing to like your character has this psychic ability now. Now they can learn like this skill at level whatever, this ability at level whatever, well, and I just mean, sort of have it going forward in addition to whatever their class stuff is. I think that that would be. I think that that would be really. We're going to cool. develop our own though. Yeah. I think I think you would do that for like uh, like feet. You do the feet aspect of it, right? So they right. have their class features. Unless you want to make it even class features. All right, instead of taking this class feature, you take a psionic class feature. Mm-hmm. You know, so instead of taking this ability score increase, you take a psionic feat. Um, and that was since they used to do that before. Thirst that's created its own, yeah. like its own Ugh. line with that. Which and was I love the, love the third psionic. In older versions, you could actually have it, and it would tack on to your class. Yeah. So it's the mm-hmm. same premise that they're doing right. now, I think. And I think it's going to work better now than. Oh yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah, three yeah. was a oh my lord. Mm-hmm. 
people people think wizard classes can sometimes get confusing with oh spells God, yeah. and whatnot. Try try third psionics. All right. Mm-hmm. They had its own book and it was about the size of the player's handbook just to learn psionics. And there's only <laughs> three classes in there. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't a lot. It was just a lot to understand the mechanics of it. Yeah. But, and I yeah. mean like and I mean like like I, like when I said like a psionic class, one of you guys said no. But I feel like I feel like having it as an option to tack on to the side as an option in addition to also having like a class that could have subclasses is also kind of a good idea because you could have a, is a good idea. I, mean, I mean you could but, but I mean like you could have a player that's like all I want is psychic stuff but I also have to do you know I, I, I have to yeah. I have to add it on to another thing but it's like you have like a psychic class that just does psychic stuff like I feel like that should be an option for somebody to do if that's what they want to have and have that be their character's focus rather than saying, well, no, well, you can have it as a focus, but you also have to have all this other stuff as like a druid or a fighter or something like. So I think I think we'll see depending on because of uh, D&D's work with uh the their new video game that got put out, Baldur's Gate 3. Um that actually is one of the main focus besides the whole illithid aspect it is now regular people just being able to have psionics through um the illithids mm-hmm. um so it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to see what you know comes out from that i think they'll kind of if that if that does really well they'll see that the community wants more psionics and start giving that out um, but it seems like it's going to be more of like a, an additional feature type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we'll see what they decide to do. Yes. Steve, it just sounds like you want to go around just like lifting carts up in the air and crushing them and stealing well, all the yeah. spoils. I want to be, I want to <laughs> well, be yeah. Skywalker. I want to kill all the younglings. Or you want to be know. Carrie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just saying like, make it an option, you know, like I'm not saying like, and I'm not saying that they're definitely going to do it, but I mean, considering that in the past they've had a psionic class and like them making, new classes in this in this system and being like they're based off of stuff from three five and whatever it's i it feels like they're going to they might go in that direction and it would be interesting to see what they do if they do create a psionic class to see what they would do with it i'm not saying that i personally would play as a psionic i'm just saying that it would be nice for them to have that as an option for people that do want to play a psionic character fair enough fair enough yeah and that's and that's kind of all i had on uh on classes in this in this book i think that they're they're pretty interesting um i can talk a little bit more about stuff later but uh we can we can go on to somebody else if they want to talk about the classes that they thought were cool hit me with it cody give me your hot take okay um so my top five i picked um the artificer with the subclass of the armor because You mm-hmm. can become Iron Man, essentially. <laughs> um, you can have different suits of armor that, like, only you can wear, that you don't get penalties for wearing, that gives you, like, limited magical use mm-hmm. uh, with, like, magical touch attacks, ranged magic attacks. Um, 
It's basically D and D Iron Man. I didn't so. read that, so because uh, I know nothing about the Artificer in Five E. So that's interesting to hear that they have an Iron. Yeah, Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. It's, it's nuts. It's it's well done. Yeah, um, and then I picked the um, the Druid Circle of Stars because I thought that was like a lot of really cool utility. Yeah, um, where you could just like grant like you could, like grant dark vision and you kind of have like a little bit of like the whole wheel and woe and there was yeah. it was it was a cool i would definitely play a druid of that of that circle i think that would be cool um i picked the psy warrior because like i said it was a jedi guardian yeah essentially mm-hmm. um the soul knife because the soul knife you can um split your sneak attack damage to multiple targets yeah, which is just pretty brutal for a rogue. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, uh, and then and depending, they also depending rogue... on how you play that, I mean, that's just gonna be dirty. Yeah, and they also have uh, a lot of uh, like espionage stuff. They have a lot of infiltration stuff that was really cool. Yeah, and yeah, the other the other rogue uh, subclass that was introduced is like the edgiest thing I've ever read in Dungeons and Dragons yeah. book. And for, for a rogue subclass to be the edgiest thing is really saying something. Which one's that? Yeah. Um, oh, what is it called? It's like the death the phantom. Yeah, the phantom. Yeah. yeah. And it's basically like, uh, you've been around death for so long that you can summon the souls of the dead. And it's like, if you kill a, if you kill a creature, you can steal its soul and put it in a trinket and then you can use it to like heal yourself or like summon, summon, a, a spirit to attack enemies and like your sneak attack bonus can your sneak attack damage can be sent onto another creature within 30 feet of the target and it's basically like the souls of the damned swell up around them and they take like a d6 of damage of psychic damage <laughs> it's so wild it's so it's so crazy yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I read the whole thing I'm like what the hell is this class <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's um it's, it's so funny. And then my final pick, uh, my final pick was the um, the wizard uh, blade singer, mm-hmm. mm. uh, because you could be an effective martial spellcaster. Mm. Um, and if you took things like the warcaster feat, and if you were an evocation wizard you could be throwing out a lot of damage and still able to take some hits because of your armor. Yeah. Um, and you get bonuses to your AC and everything, uh, with your magic, you get, you can reduce damage with your magic. You can increase damage with your magic. Um, so I just saw that as being like, that would be a cool, um, class. I I think the wizard that I play in Strahd, the transportation wizard, probably would have been a pretty good blade singer yeah uh she's a hobgoblin wizard and the hobgoblins already yeah they already get proficiency with like armor and like certain weapons so this would have just been an increase to that (laughs) um and i feel like that would have made a big a big difference so yeah those are my top five nice 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 yeah um so for my top five uh I thought it was pretty interesting. I personally have not cared for a lot of like the artificer gunslinger aspects. Um, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
but that's just me. I'm more of a medieval sci-fi than a uh, steampunk futuristic sci-fi. Um, and it's uh, the one that I did like, though, liked it a lot, was the uh, Battlesmith. So with, like, the Battlesmith, you get uh, almost like a... Almost like a Warforge companion, but not really. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. Uh, they're called Steel Defenders. Yeah, the the gnome with the black bear, the metal yeah. black bear, yeah. It. was yeah. pretty cool. I was like, this is this is pretty awesome. Awesome. So like they're they're pretty awesome. I also liked how with a lot of the spellcasters, just on a spellcaster note for this book, like, hey, you get these sets of spells automatic, like they're ready to go almost like cantrips but they're for like multiple level spell casting and uh i thought that was a pretty cool touch just in general with uh spell casters but yeah the the whole battle battle master uh battle smith was uh was pretty cool steel defender i liked in general how they do uh almost like companions where hey they go at the same time as your turn but they can only do certain things yeah. um but that's that's pretty cool so i liked that for the artificer and then uh believe it or not even though i did have the knock against clerics um earlier i did like the twilight uh domain cleric i thought that was a pretty yeah, nice that was pretty cool bit. Like it has a uh, a different aspect to clerics instead of being all like a lot of people when they think clerics they think light based it it deals with a now that other side you know of of a cleric which I thought was pretty pretty awesome but still being like just night face like focused instead of you know radiant it still has that aspect but. Uh, is darker. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like the Druid, um, the the Fae Touch Druid, the the one that uh, Chris plays in Strahd. Yes, like yeah. the night the Night Court stuff where he gets yeah. like, the um, the bomb of the Night Court or whatever. Yeah, instead of it being the the Summer Court, like it's it's just that that opposite. They both are like yeah. very similar. It's but a cool flavor. It's just that different flavor, which I kind of like. It's kind of like how I felt about like with the Forge Cleric because I thought they were pretty cool. Yeah, because it is just different, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and I think that's what like this book, like the heart of this book, to me felt like it was not so much. Hey, here's a completely different like character character subclass here's a completely different flavor but you can encompass the same ideas as something else you know what i mean it feels different it is but really they're they're taking care of the same thing um then i liked the uh the circle of wildfire druid i thought that was really cool with their companion how uh yeah they could pretty much like resurrect people or just like use that spark of death to just create more death. 
because they have their uh, their cauterizing flames ability at like 10th level, which is like if something dies within 30 feet of them or their their uh, wildfire spirit, they can decide to like just either raise the creature that's there or just explode the body. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was pretty cool. Burn them all. Yeah, burn them all. <laughs> and I thought it was like pretty funny because too many druids, like, I feel like always focus on like the life aspect, like not destroying nature or everything like that. And this one's like very much that opposite flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, destruction is what it is. You know, I'm gonna let it be, <laughs> if not add into well, it. It's it's a whole part of the circle of life. That's it, that's it yeah. You know, it has to happen. So that's that's what I liked about the uh, the druid, and then uh, of course we talked to every. I think almost every one of us really liked that Psy warrior. Mm. I think it's just really dope. Adds a couple of ideas that I was already getting in there. Um, I have some ideas for a character if I ever wanted to create one of those. I also liked. Um, no, when Rinrick dies, we're we're done playing together. So yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. That's why I gotta keep Rinrick alive, <laughs> just to be able to see Taller Axie all the way through. Yeah, Neil's uh, contract but, runs out when his one character dies. Yeah, yeah I got I gotta keep Rinrick alive. He says as he like dives into pools of blood, and <laughs> tries to get a dragon to attack us. You know, you gotta keep him alive. You gotta <laughs> risk it to get the biscuit. Like, if I yeah. just sat back, what a, you know, what's the point of me even continuing to play? Uh, you make it interesting. It's yeah. I try. Yeah. I try. <laughs> Nothing like yeah. dying the straw death, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, But I did really like for the fighter how they did, like, Hey, here's some battle master builds that you could do. Mm-hmm. Like so at the end of the whole fighter uh chapter, it just goes into like, hey, you want to be a gladiator, do this. You want to be an archer, do this. And like so for some people, they might not understand how to do those mechanics for the game. So here's you know, here's how the game should do these mechanics. You know what I mean? You can always change it, do your flavor, but I liked it. I thought it was really cool. Uh and my last my last favorite class, subclass, I think had to have been it was a toss-up because I was like thinking about putting the Oath of Glory uh paladin in there, because you know it's pretty good i i've really enjoyed the 5e paladin creation yeah i was i read i read the oath of glory tell us i was about like your paladin neil yeah, yeah tell us about your paladin tell was, us more neil oh we love <laughs> hearing about paladins oh, neil. but to go back to my favorite my actual favorite uh class when i first started playing D uh gotta go to the ranger Oh, I and it, Alan, I was, we were joking you picked a ranger <laughs> class yeah so neil. i actually liked the fey wanderer neil. yeah the fey wanderer was, was <laughs> rangers, rangers. <laughs> <laughs> uh i liked the fey wanderer because i think it speaks like when i think about rangers like that makes sense like yeah. to have fey magic and new a ranger or having some ranger wander into the fey wild and just like keep fucking wandering around it's a no-brainer it's really. a no-brainer to me like yeah. that, that makes yeah. so much sense like and even to just play a play a ranger not realizing that he's in like what's the fey wild what's this what like 
they're the same thing. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I loved the... Look, now I have horns. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> this yeah. is interesting, but I'm all about it. Yeah. I mean, it kind yeah. of allows you to play, like, a, you know, a Dark Tower-style campaign with that, if you really think yeah. about it. You're mm-hmm. so right on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But like I, that, yeah. I didn't think he'd get any cooler, folks. But he <laughs> surprises me every day. And I and I like that the artwork for it too. Just the artwork that they used for it as the example was like this green-skinned, horned guy just wandering around. It's like a human ranger face <laughs> touch. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that. I guess like the fairy does crazy things to people yeah exactly. and everybody's always hating on somebody if they decide to choose like a human race yeah. like yeah. if you're yeah. a group of people and everybody's like oh yeah, i'm a chiefling from this you know line oh i'm a dragonborn and then like that one guy goes yeah i'm a human named steve and everybody's like yo what the <laughs> like why well that was like that was like your brother for like every game yeah. like, i'm a human uh yeah fighter. Yeah, because he knew he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get extra." Oh well, you can you can break. So in three in three and three five, your best choice was a human because you could do literally whatever you wanted. (laughs) Even in fifth edition, it's still it's still yeah, it's still pretty broken. Where it's like, oh yeah, you can just add one to all of your scores. Yeah, Yeah. or you can start with extra skills and a feat. Nope. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. But now you can uh, play a human, and they see you, and they're like, "Oh, you're some type of tiefling, aren't you?" With those horns, and you're like, "No, I'm just regular human. <laughs> Spend some time in the Feywild. <laughs> My name's still Steve, though." <laughs> as a as a person named Steve who plays both Dragonborn and Tieflings, I'm not sure if I should feel attacked right now. <laughs> you should <laughs> get on the defensive, Steve. How dare you, Neil? How dare you? No, it's like uh, those one commercials with, you know... You're about to experience some changes (laughs) from the Feywild. Yeah. So. (laughs) But yeah, that's my my hot take. Nice. Good job, Neil. (laughs) Thanks, man. So that's the end of our show. Yeah, that's the end of our show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Frank doesn't have it. He used up all of his hot takes throughout the I did. I, yeah. I had a lot of Frank, Frank was like, we were supposed to pick five. I just wanted to hate on the barbarian. Yeah. That upsets me, man. It upsets me. You know, I, look I have at it, five like, oh. hate points on barbarians. <laughs> yeah. Frank's under dark side point. <laughs> Well, before we get into my stuff, what, what's your take on what I said about the Barbarian, Cody? You didn't say much. Oh, I, I have to say things. Well, I'm just wondering, <laughs> what's your... It's a show. It's a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can sit here in silence you know, for an hour, but... I wasn't, I wasn't too... I wasn't too keen on it. Um, I, I kind of think, you know, the Barbarian, for me having played barbarians and fighters like that was always like when you first start out you just play the big thing that hits things and it hits yep. things hard yep you know and that's that it's kind of like i don't have to put a lot of effort into the character you know mm-hmm. it's even you know sean uh our buddy sean who joined our campaign he was like you know i don't have a ton of time i just want to have fun i just want to play a barbarian 
a half orc barbarian because he's like, I just love playing that style of, of character. Yeah. And it's cool. But when we start having all these different subclasses for the barbarian, where the subclasses and all the other classes are, are branching out to where they're intersecting now with other classes, yeah. where you're, you're getting features from other classes, the barbarian is still pretty one sided. It's pretty two dimensional, really. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. So, or, uh, so the thing is, is that um, I get, yeah, okay. So your parents were arch druids or something, or somewhere along the line there was a lycanthrope in your family, and that's where you get these beastly attributes. But the totem barbarian kind of did some of that a little bit more vanilla because Sean plays one in our game, and when he rages, he starts growing bear fur and his eyes change color and he grows in height, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they could have done a lot more even off of like the totem barbarian where like we were saying before, where, you know what, I'm going to choose today to activate the spirit of the owl so that I have better wisdom throughout today's events. Well, I think that's, I'm going to do a prayer to, uh, the fox, the trickster fox, the great trickster, who's going to give me a bonus to my charisma yep. for the upcoming conflict because I know yeah. that I'm going up against a warlock or something. And like, I think was... give give them a little bit more utility instead of just I'm mad and I hit shit. So yeah, I think like the cool thing about that would be the fact that they don't have to rage to get those bonuses like sure still allow them to go in their berserk mode to deal men like damage and whatever like that but give them something to be able to do without being like raged like why why couldn't you sit and you say at a certain level a barbarian has x amount of rages per day right so why couldn't you just say in exchange for one of these rages you can get you could get a blessing from one of your other spirits or totems that would yeah. would help you do something a little different. And then that way you still have the option to rage if you need it, but you're also you're not being over you're not becoming overpowered. Yeah. It's, you're making a sacrifice to gain something. Like if you are a lycanthrope, why can't you just, you know, transform one of your appendages without being enraged? You know, right. you know what I mean? Like right kind of something along those lines because like the totem barbarian does have that like uh our one player he uses the uh eyes of the hawk a lot so yeah, the eagle, yeah, the <laughs> eagle. What do you I see? yeah like that's that's, <laughs> the, that's the joke that my character always says he just thinks orcs have good eyesight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so what he did recently it was like super dark or whatever he's like can I use my eagle eyes? And I was like, it's not going to make a difference, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was like, this is like evil darkness. You can't yeah, see through. You can't it, penetrate you know? that, you know? Yeah. But uh, like something along, like, I think that's cool because it gives the barbarian some like utility where yeah. instead of they're just, Hey, I'm going to, you know, smash and pound things. Hey, yeah, I'm actually going to look at that. I think every other class is getting to that point where you can pretty much pick and choose your either your subclasses or your feats or things like that to to, get to that gain that extra usage out of the character where it's not just filling the role in a party you know they're able to do a couple things and yeah. i think that's i think honestly if you were trying to i know this is all fantasy games but if you were trying to 
make I, I made a comment about this I saw this on Reddit they were talking about um if they wanted to make like a, a Scandinavian type race of people should they be skilled in blacksmithing or should be skilled in shipbuilding and I made a comment where I was talking it from a historian's perspective of saying you know the likelihood of that adventuring men at that time probably had to have had proficiency in a multitude of skills mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. And, and before they were ever Vikings, they were farmers yep. and they, their tools and their weapons came from farmers. And, you know, I said, so they, you might've had somebody who knew how to forge the ax head to chop down the tree, but then it could also forge the rivets to build your ship. You know, mm -hmm. so but would have to be skilled in a multitude of different things. Yeah. And so I said, you can as like the dungeon master, you should be able to to as a touch and go basis. If you want this person to become a a smith, you know, down the line, then you say, Yeah, okay, then he he became so skilled in his travels from everything he learned that when he came back to Scandinavia or that northern setting, that yeah, now he can whip out this awesome sword that nobody else could produce yeah yeah you know that's this it's i think it's just a narrative thing yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah and that goes that, and that even like that goes into something that we didn't even bring up before in this book the uh the customization of the origins besides the ability score stuff like all that stuff relates back to that as well like instead of taking a weapon proficiency you can take tool proficiencies yeah or like changing what like Languages your character knows. Oh, based wasn't on that always from? Those are the always things like if you pick a dwarf, right? The dwarves have dwarven weapon training, and like mm -hmm. in in the in the older editions, it was like yeah, there was dwarf specific weapons. The dwarven garage. Right. It was it was a uh, a racial weapon for them, but it was an exotic weapon for anybody else that wanted mm -hmm. to use it. And if you were a dwarf, you knew how to use these things, and it was part of the written culture of that race per, per D and D, but there's no reason that you can say like, I, I played a, I played a, a Duergar that was a mm -hmm. good, he was a good character. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, he was chaotic. Good. He was willing to make sacrifices for what he believed was the greater good. Um, but he was still a, an evil race character, but I worked with my dungeon masters to write this story that, allowed him to have these different skill sets mm -hmm. you know and i i just think that this book is kind of giving permission for people to do that and i'm kind of sitting here saying well i don't need permission to do it because we've been doing it anyway yeah like we've been doing it like since always we've been doing it yeah um so that just goes back to the whole idea like we said before like we were not the target audience for mm -hmm. for this book. I, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, sure. I think it's a good tool. Um, but I would also like to keep in mind what you were saying, Neil, about um, not you know not letting this book show up at your table and disrupt it. Oh yeah, like so you know? a lot of people try and like their their mindset is all right, only official Wizards of the Coast stuff. Well, now here you have something that's official Wizards of the Coast that propagates third party. No. So for years, for right. years this is what third party has been 
and yeah. now it's Wizards of the Coast official. So how do you separate that? Like yeah. it was, it was, it's easy if somebody took one of our tabletop, you know, classes or tabletop totality classes or the Akuktuk race. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Hey, I want to play this. And the person goes, no, that's not official. We're not. No. Yeah. We well, don't, we don't play homebrew stuff here or whatever. Now, yeah. now you say now it's a whole different level of no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now they can say, all right, I'm going to take the elf. I'm going to switch this. I'm going to switch that. And guess what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, I kind of, I've done it in our game where I've said just from the get go from our session zero, like, these are the playable races, you know, or these are the yeah. things that do exist in this world. And these are the things that do not. And one of the, one of the big ones was the, uh, the Warforged. Yeah. You know, the Warforged are very specific to the Eberron setting. And I did decide that there was going to be a Warforged in my world, but none of the players were going to, I didn't want to give the players the chance to, I mean, maybe not even the chance, but the world as it exists where we already are for the last 10 levels that we've been playing is going to significantly change once there's a war forged just because of the nature of what's going on in the world. There's this huge (laughs) conflict that's going on. So the war forges were instrumental to the Eberron and to all that fighting. It would have a similar effect in my world if they suddenly became a mass produced thing. So there's currently one, there's one Warforged in my world, and he's currently on the run, <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's, I was like, it's too cool of a plot point. Like, I don't want players to play a Warforged because it's going to derail everything that we've been doing, you know? Yeah. So that's that's where you have to, as a dungeon master or the overlord, like, so you're telling the rights me. to say you don't do this like yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of D. i used to like playing magic the gathering i don't want magic the gathering in my D game so i i have friends that are all about the the magic the gathering stuff they want to play the um the luxodons and and all these other races and i i don't want that in my setting yeah so but you're telling you know, me cody you don't want us to play any Muppet Born because you are going to introduce the Muppet Born into your campaign. Yes. And the, same, <laughs> the same with guns. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Muppets yeah. with guns? Yeah, with yes. the Muppet show up with the gun swords and the airships and take over the world, then... Neil, you've just spoiled the true face of Vatra for everybody. And oh my God. <laughs> the tires are brought down by the Muppet Born. I understand now. Yeah, the only oh, the only know. magic setting I, I burn my ever, notebook <laughs> I would ever play with for D and D is Cons of Tarkir, just because it, it gets my brain like going like at a hundred miles an yeah. hour. Yeah, that was, but that was a cool opinion. setting. Yeah, <laughs> that that was a cool setting, and I would love to see them do something that incorporated a little bit more of like that. Um, there was like a more Eastern um feel to it mm. you know and it wasn't like yeah. some of the other settings are pretty bland like but that's why i did like their like uh wizards edition and the player's handbook which i feel like nobody really talks about to the for the optional rules of like um what is like honor and dishonor and having that as a new ability score mm-hmm. that fluctuates throughout the game like those are like 
there's a lot of like hidden gems that like I feel like Wizards tries to put out there that people just don't pay attention to, which right you know because it is it is a lot of people stuck in the traditional way of playing dungeons and dragons not home brewing mm-hmm. you know like we come from a group that never played on the sword coast until five five e yeah <laughs> like yeah. we never played yeah. in the realm of sword well, coast. yeah and, and i see a lot of people like a lot of our peers you know in the in the community are they're very heavy in running the module yeah like they they run the D modules and they they make their changes as they see fit, but they run the modules. And yeah. for me, uh, when I first started running um, Tomb of Annihilation in Schult, I had a hard time transitioning from being a home brewer to running somebody else's work because there was times where I was like going through it and I'm like, do I have to follow this? Like, am I going to screw myself if I change something? Yeah. Like my urge to change something was like, I was trying to tell myself not to because I was like, no, 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 you got to, you got to just play the game. You got to play the game. But eventually I got, I hit my stride where I was like, no, you got to make it work for your group, for your yeah. table, you know? Yeah. I I ran into that with Strahd with uh, trying to fit like important NPCs. Like, so you'd run into somebody and like all the NPCs are of course named in all the modules, which is like. Sister Christian. <laughs> but but, uh they're named but then you have to find out well there is a big plot point for this npc if they decide to do this certain like these certain steps so and then if you if you decide to not have that and it's difficult to like because in my mind i'm just going off of my world but now i'm trying to play somebody else's world you know what i mean so it's it for me it's more natural to create a story than to play a story it was like, yes. And like, I would get this feeling sometimes like running Chult into Annihilation, like harken back to Skyrim, but like when a dragon would attack your town mm. and you would take out the dragon, but like everybody that was like good would like try to come and help you fight the dragon. And yeah. you'd be like, oh yeah, like we just took out this ancient dragon. Like we saved the town, like woohoo. Then you'd be like, well, where the fuck's Feindall? Like, where's my bro? Where's my favorite sidekick? Where is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's dead in the bushes. Yeah, or or the, or, uh, the blacksmith or, is dead, and you're like, Damn yeah, it. the blacksmith's dead, and now you can never use, you know, like, I hated that. Or <laughs> I remember vampires came in and they like killed like all the shopkeepers <laughs> in like White Run or whatever, and I was so pissed because I was like, now I can't even use like the city, <laughs> you know? And that's like sometimes how it is, like playing these like these pre-mades for me because I'm like. <laughs> I just basically killed my blacksmith and I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> but I think it is pretty cool because now you yeah, like you just have to deal with the character's repercussions instead of trying to like as that overlord, trying to like, hey, are you sure you want to go down this lane? You don't really know what the repercussions are, so you're like, all right, my party went down this lane and now there's no goddamn well, blacksmith. <laughs> and that's the thing is that like I guess like for like my process too is like I like to I'm like so open to like where people come in with their ideas and like their stories mm-hmm. and I'm so ready to like grab onto their plot threads and work it into my story. Like yeah. I love doing that and I kind of get the anxiety more towards the end of things where I'm like, well, how is this all going to wrap up? How am I going to wrap up all these ends that I have now? Yep. You know, 
Whereas inside the pre-mades, it's like they've already figured out how it's supposed to end. I think the problem more or less is how do you tailor, how do you fit it to your people? Yeah. And that's that's what I had to do. Like we spent a lot of time, Frank was in that game. We spent a lot of time in the first city, like just doing nonsensical things that didn't pertain to the story of Tomb of Annihilation. And it was to get these people to work together as a team to, yeah. and give a shit about what was going on. Yeah. And I think like to, this this book to to kind of for those who may think we are going on a tangent that does not relate to what we are talking tangents. about <laughs> tangerines. Um, but it, this book allows you to do certain aspects that like you should be doing you, you know that is considered you know homebrew-esque but it's they can't create the wizards can't create everything they know they can't create everything i think that's partially why they made everything into an open gaming license to allow people to create things because if they were trying to be like nah we got to create everything ourselves boy oh boy would it be an interesting time for them <laughs> well but how you know how like how intellectually poor of a community would that be if it was you can only take what they give you and you can't do anything of your own. Like, <laughs> would we even be here having this conversation right now? Nope. Probably not, because I'd be like, this game sucks. It doesn't let you do anything. No, I like it. Yeah, we would have <laughs> you know? gotten on to other, other, uh, we'd probably right. still be in full game. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. oh God. Never. Do we ever no. get French? How? No, we did, did not. We get... I was. No, I didn't think them. so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Frankie, bring it home. <laughs> so but yeah, we already went over my uh, barbarian rant, so we don't really need to go into that again. So but that's his number one is the werewolf yeah, barbarian. Yeah, the lycanthropy one. Uh, that was pretty cool. Next is the um, College of Creation for the for the. Mm. I thought that mm. was cool. It's about time that there's an actual way of doing the dancing weapons again without necessarily just having it for six rounds and then it falls to the ground. It's like, all right. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to say it's about time. They give the bard some utility. Finally. After all this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought that was cool. Like I've, I've always found dancing items to be a fun thing. And I yeah. just kind of think like the thing they did in fifth here, it's like the whole reason you would have the dancing item is so that you can fight side by side with it for longer than six rounds. So I, I thought that was a fun thing that they added in. Mm-hmm. Um, I love me some druids. Mm-hmm. Um, both the star form. And um, I didn't write down the name of it, but the wildfire one. Yeah. Uh, those are freaking cool. The star form one I looked at, I was like, this is freaking cool. <laughs> I can't wait to be some kind of, ex, you know, like star map being like yeah and time yeah <laughs> I, I thought it, i thought it was really cool too because like you know I, i've shared you guys like that that patron i made that callus who was like yeah she had like something to do with the stars like she wove like dead souls into the stars yeah and i just kind of thought that was like a super cool class mm-hmm. and then you get the guiding bolt for for free mm-hmm. yeah just watch out guiding yeah. bolt and it makes sense. It makes complete sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. For for Star Jammer and stuff like that, if you were to do that kind of a campaign, like you've got it, boom, right there. Star form, yeah. that's in the group. 
life is good. Go and go about your business. Yeah. Next one. Wizard Order of Scribes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Scribes was yeah. I I yep. think the biggest mistake people make when they make any kind of spellcaster, especially if it's a first level campaign, you would have scrolls of your spells. <laughs> like it makes no sense. Like, oh, what do you have? What, do, what does your character have? I have like three gems and a dagger. Where are your scrolls, ding dong? Like you yeah. can write them down. Like wh- what the hell, man? <laughs> oh, well, it doesn't say. Can we make book. a shirt, please? Where's your scrolls, <laughs> ding dong? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it just it irritates the every time, mm. and especially if you're a higher level, you'd have like, come on, we're you'd have yeah. first, second, third, yeah. Well, it would be like if you're a higher level. I feel like a lot of your like utility spells would be scrolls, yeah, and like your high end shit would be your fucking damage or whatever, you know. Well, not to mention, like, if you're like a powerful wizard or whatever, like, wouldn't you have like a rod or some shit that's just got like fireball in it, like, just ready to go? Yeah, I'm not gonna waste my time with a spell slot with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I use my I'm spell slots waste... for knocking other useful things, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, yeah, I'll save my spell slots to like, you know, plane shift out of here when I'm done messing with you. Yeah, we're all in prison, your <laughs> you ass, know? like, boom. Yeah, hey, I'll banish you to another plane, but yeah. like right now, I'm just whipping fireballs at you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, it's just one of the things that always irritates me, and I, I think it's a problem not on the players or the game masters. It's from wizards not telling you you could do that, not saying hey, in your builds like. Yeah, if you're starting at first level or higher, talk to your GM about different scroll options so this way you have more utility, more flexibility, because why the hell wouldn't you... Especially if your backstory... Oh, I was in a tower studying for 25 years. Well, I moon think... shifted and swayed. Like, you would have scrolls then, you freaking ding-dong. Let's do this. <laughs> I think Let's a lot this. of that comes from... Uh how magic items were supposed to be created in like three and all the older realms that like you were supposed yeah. to pay experience yeah. to to be able to imbue a spell and now that's not so much the case yeah and i'm you know? so glad they finally changed that because i always wanted to do stuff like that but in three and three five it was like there was such a huge cost and it was like why do i have to pay experience i'm paying money yeah. i'm putting in time like this stuff takes weeks and weeks and weeks depending on what I'm putting in. Why the fuck do I have to spend? Yeah, you need to drop now two levels to be able to make a staff of fireball. <laughs> like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, bite me. Like, why would <laughs> So whenever I play any of the older games with that, like, I do it with the characters, but I'm like, you're, you're going to die soon, Karen. Like, yeah. you know, you, you just lost yeah. a level. Like, we're about to go up against trolls. Like, goodbye. Yeah, I miss you, but thanks for the item. <laughs> I miss you, Karen. Where's yeah. your scrolls, ding dong? <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> you know, so that one I thought was pretty cool, and I looked around at some of the other ones, but those were the ones that like jumped out at me the most. Mm-hmm. And then, like we had talked about, you know, the summoning constructs. They had stuff for the social contract. 
the sidekicks we already went over. But the thing I feel that was the most out of place is actually the puzzle guide. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe you should have just made another dungeon master book for that with a bunch of yes and i yeah i agree can we get another dungeon master's guide like fifth edition is so player heavy like make some cool shit for dungeon masters yeah like kurgan's guide to dungeon mastering <laughs> or oh uh, you know? well well yeah you know oh, they can't they can't soon. make that they yeah. cannot make that well yeah, soon. no if you do if you go and you try and make a kurgan's guide to dungeon mastering <laughs> i will I will put my whole life into this vendetta. <laughs> uh, as one fourth of the owner of the Kurgan name, uh, wizards come talk to me. Mark. I'll convince Neil. No, yeah, we'll, ma we'll make a DMG for you. We'd love yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Or just use him as the cover. Like, people love Kurgan. Oh, He's cute. I will make a D. Yeah, like, we can make a DMG, but <laughs> goddamn it. Wizards just tries to steal Kurgan. Not again, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like they, there definitely needs to be another version of that. I just felt like it was like, you would you run out of shit to put in here? Like, yeah. Why? Why is the puzzle stuff here? I love I felt, that no, they added I puzzle I, stuff, but why the hell is it in this one? That doesn't make sense. I think it's doesn't work I with the rest like, of the book. I think they're doing just like they did with the Star Wars, man, where they're like, instead of just releasing these big books yeah. that are just like, here's the complete weapons, here's the complete force or whatever. They're like, every new book is just going to have like a schmatter, uh, you know, like a little schmear of smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah, smorgasbord <laughs> of, uh, you know, classes and feats and whatever. And they're just going to throw in a bunch of shit. And like the puzzle stuff, I, I don't know, like, didn't we used to always have, like, there are some books that were for the players, and there are some books yeah. for the guys that were running the game, yeah. and now, like, all these books are, like, they're just putting everything into one little tiny book, you know? They could have put all this stuff in Xanathar's in the same, and it would have been, uh, like, a guide, like a whole full guide. Mm -hmm. I think it would have yeah. worked better, because, like, certain books have seemed a little bit more DM-based, but it's like, why didn't you just, like, there's no clear distinction which books are for what. Right. You know, besides player's handbook. Yeah. Volo's guide kind of tells you what's <laughs> up at least like, yeah, it's Volo's guide was cool when it was going into like the individual, like the stuff on the hags and the giants yeah. when they were like actually getting into the, the monsters and like telling you more about it was cool. Mm -hmm. But then when it just got into like the bestiary part, like all of that shit could have been put into Morgan Kynan's. And mm -hmm. it would have been like just another monster manual. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's nice, but it has like anything else, it has its pros and cons, I guess. We're just grumpy old men. We're just just tired, dry ass bone ponies. Talk yep. to your talk about yourself. I'm pretty uh, yeah. I mean I'm pretty I'm pretty okay with it. Twelve twelve year old. <laughs> I, I look at this thing and I'm like, all right, this is kinda cool. Like it's about time. It's a little late. That I wouldn't have bought it. I'm not. I have, I'm not upset with it, and I think there's some cool things in it. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. I, like I just said, is you know, I was just kind of making the commentary that it's it's definitely for the the new wave of Dungeons and Dragons players, and that's great because Wizards should be making an effort to um, incorporate this new wave of, of players and and 
hopefully maintain these players, keep them. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I wish they would I wish they would change some some of the things about magic because I'd go back to playing it. Mm-hmm. But pay to play sucks. So mm-hmm. yeah. but that'll that'll never change. That aspect of it'll never change. Right. So uh, that's you don't have to be good. You don't have to be creative. You just have to have the best cards. Yeah. And that's why I was like, okay, well, that's not fun to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still waiting on my my Tarkir setting, motherfuckers. Get her done. <laughs> I want it. We will work for you. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I who could come... who could stand against us, wizards, with the armies of Mordor and Isengard joined? <laughs> are we the bad guys? Are we the baddies? We are oh, the baddies. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, one thing I did want to bring up. The homunculus on page twenty-two, mm-hmm. sort of cool. Yeah, um, I'd like more options with that. We'll make your own options. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like... have to. <laughs> yeah, that was something that came out with the um, that was in Eberron as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, I, I just, I've always found constructs in the game cool. It's always just been something that you know. Every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, let's make a construct. Uh, they're fun. I, I love, I love how the the sidekicks, the creations, like the homunculus. Their HP is based off of your stats. Mm. Yeah. So, um, it, so that's how they leveled it. I think that was the smartest fucking clan. Smartest. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. it a lot easier for calculation purposes. Oh yeah. So yeah. you don't Wait. have to like, oh, I'm gonna do arithmetic. Some of the old stuff, like, oh, it's based off of two of your levels of fighter, three of your levels of narrows, and then yeah, you roll sixteen d thirty sevens minus and divided by. What did Andy. your great grandma think about this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> divided by pi. <laughs> like what? Which way is the wind blowing? <laughs> if it's west, he's got six HP. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah it is it is cool and interesting the the homunculus stuff and the all the artificer stuff in general and uh like like you were saying like you feel like there should be more to it i feel like the artificer is kind of they made it a new class in this book as a class for there to be stuff added on to it um in the future mm-hmm. like it doesn't feel as complete as the other classes that now currently have like nine subclasses. And I well, feel like most of I feel like most that was of this purpose because that way in the future they can add more stuff to it, add more options for the homunculi, add more options for your armor and your guns and things like that. And this is just sort of a starting point for it. Well, you got to remember that the artificer itself is the newest class, right? In, right. in D&D. It is the newest class. And Eberron is not that old of a book. And most of the things like the Alchemist and the Artillerist and the Battle um, uh, Yeah, Battle I forget what the hell it's called. Battlesmith. Battle Smith. Yeah. Um, they were all in Eberron. So mm-hmm. only really the armor is the new addition yeah. here. Right. Yeah, so I, I I think it is. I agree with you. It's it doesn't have as much options as all of the others, but hopefully, you know, hey, open gaming license. Yeah, people are going to start coming up with cool ideas, and 
Wizards has been a lot of the stuff that's been um, you know passed around in Unearthed Arcana has ended up in the last several books. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they put that in the SRD at some point, mm. even if it's just the based like the base you know version yeah. of it. So this way you can build around it. But yeah, you know, maybe maybe not. Yeah, no. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it too. I'm not. Gonna I, I think it's it. gonna be yeah. It's it's one of those things that like I don't blame them if they don't put it in there. You know, no, yeah. that's maybe what they want to create. They're done creating for other you know what's in the SRD or at least yeah. focusing on it. You know, they focused on it for years. Yeah. yeah, this is an easy way to be able to be like, yeah, we're gonna take a little bit of step away from that, but at least people can create stuff for it, and we're gonna follow this line down. You know, right. I'm just glad to be able to see like bigger steps into the demons and fiends stuff, you know, that they, they did with Aventus, even though, you know, I was working on a whole shtick for that, but no, Avernus. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. I can't, can't be bothered to remember its real name. I know. It was just so deep. It's just so deep. It's, it's one of those things that's like really good that the community is developing further. You know, they're, they're not just focusing on their their normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to wrap it up, boys. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I, think I think so. I think you know, it's days getting long and hours are getting short, and Bone Pony's got to head on back to the ranch and indeed get brushed down and watered. Put walking, but walking away from this, I believe uh, Tabletop Totality stamps the uh, Psy Warrior winner of. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing we can all agree on. That was a pretty. Yeah, dumb. it was pretty cool. General, really cool. So, and I hope you know we're going to uh, our plan is we're going to be releasing a setting here mm-hmm. um, in the coming months. Uh, oh, we hope yeah, to have something published uh, and. Uh, you know, part of the larger idea of that is going to have, you know, our takes on things like psionics and um, mm. maybe maybe a, a class similar to the artificer, but something of its own. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. We started talking about the the chemist as a class, um, mm. alchemy as the you know supreme science. Something along those lines. Yeah. So Just watch out for the crystals. Soon. Oh yeah. Mm. They'll get you. Oh, the other North Atlantic trout will, you know. Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's probably a good one to wrap it up. We we talked about a lot today, but um, you know, there was a lot packed into this little book. And um we as older players, you know, kinda had our you know, we had our we picked our good things and bad things out of it. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, like I said, you know, I don't feel like I was the target, but I, I appreciate the book itself and, and who it's aimed for. And hopefully it just helps people keep playing the game and keep enjoying it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's, I'm happy with it. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good move. Yeah. Same yes. here. They, they knew what they were doing. This wasn't an yep, accident. Yep. So I think it's if they're gonna keep the game alive, they need to have things changing, and this is 
may not be the right move now or people may need some time to like let it kind of sit in the back of their heads yeah you know change your packs everybody differently yeah <laughs> yeah they, well you know and from this is going to come all new builds you know yeah. there's going to be all sorts of new builds and people are going to find like the new you know they're going to find the new combination that is that new hot thing and that will probably dictate what the next releases will be mm-hmm. yeah you know for sure yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully the next book is something for dungeon masters yeah <laughs> <laughs> to handle all this newfound wealth. <laughs> Dungeon Masters, I have a secret for you. We're never giving you another book. Go fucking Yeah, <laughs> suffer. <laughs> we are now for the players. <laughs> well, but, uh, I'm Frank with Tabletop Totality. I'm Neil. Oh, damn. Oh. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. <laughs> Well, this has been Tabletop Totality. I'm Frank. I'm Neil. I'm Steve. And I'm a person named Cody. We love you. Keep rolling dice. (sighs) Oh, my God. I'm so cold and lost. The guy at the store said all I needed was this explorer's packet. I'd be ready for my first adventure. I don't even have a map. I'm so lost. <laughs> Did I hear you say you're looking for a map, lad? Oh, oh yes, sir. Oh yeah. Oh my God, I'm so lost. Please, can you help me find your way out of here? I can do something better for you, lad. Check out incarnate.com today. They've got all sorts of things for you to use, like brush tools, layers, stamps, hues, and all sorts of new little colors. You can go right ahead and build yourself a battle map, a scene map, or if you're feeling extra frisky, a high-definition region of fantasy map. Oi. But how does that help me now? I'm really really lost and I need food check out Incarnate today for all of your map making needs used exclusively by Tabletop Totality high quality map making that's right Incarnate.com don't get lost like this little booger go there today